Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. The uh, title of the talk tonight is Hatred Never Ceases from Hatred. Um, The line by the Buddha from the Dhammapada, one of the uh, collections of, of the Buddha's sayings and teachings, a classic line, the whole... Um, the whole verse is hatred never ceases from hatred. Hatred ceases uh, by love alone. This is an ancient and eternal law. And I wanted to explore that with with us all uh, tonight because um, as I'm sure it's been on everyone's mind just what um, this country and this world is going through, um, particularly after the events in uh, Charlottesville this last weekend and the subsequent events uh, since and uh, just in in Barcelona um, as well. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy out there. And it gets crazy in here too. What do you do with it all? How do you hold it all? And... How do you not succumb to the very thing that so uh, repels or and disgusts uh, the mind and the heart, the hatred that's out there that people can feel and act on towards others or condone? How do you somehow not react in that same way? And uh, this is something that's been the the question of the human heart for as long as there have been humans around. But now it's coming to a head more than ever. It's, It's in our face every day, not only by what happens in a particular locale, but what we, we hear and see in the media, what we hear and see from our leaders and the reactions that come from that, 
it's really feels like it's coming to a head and uh, every time you think well it can't get any crazier than this there's a new frontier of crazy are you with me So, I, you know, I, I have some things I want to share, but as much as anything, I also want us to share with each other because uh, that's probably as, uh, as healthy a thing as, as anything that we can do is just kind of hear each other and speak with each other and just say what's going on inside of our own hearts and how we can possibly hold this. Hmm. There's a, a quote, I've, I've mentioned it a number of times, from um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, uh, the great R- Russian writer, who writes um, something like, if only it were so easy, if only all we had to do was separate the evil people from the good people and send them away and not be... Uh, bothered by them. But the line between good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of their own heart? And this is something just to to really keep in mind what, what I, uh, as I try to see my own reactions and my own revulsion and my own anger and um, and outrage. Oh, it's right in here too. There's a kind of humility that comes from that when I see it in my own heart. And that... Um, Something to consider around that is that how um, shapeable the human heart is, how trainable it is, how influenced it is. I said I was gone for uh, for the last two months. I was uh, just fortunate enough to be teaching and traveling with Jane, my wife, uh, in Europe. We uh, taught in in Switzerland, and we taught in Germany, and in the UK. Um, And it was really interesting, especially when we went to Germany, and I've been going to Germany and Austria for uh, the last few years. There's a a group that sponsors are going there and teaching, and they're they're very, very sincere and and, um, dedicated practitioners there. And there, you know, it used to be, the, the first time I went to Germany, I, I was raised Jewish, as, as many of you know, but if you're here for the first time, you probably wouldn't necessarily know that. And the first, when, I was, when I was growing up, uh, when I was um, uh, in my 20s, and I was a school teacher, and I'd go to Europe each, each summer, 
and I'd go to Denmark, I loved, and I'd go to uh, England, and I'd go to uh, other places, Greece and all. But the thought of going to Germany was really, it, I, it was hard for me to imagine the first time I did, before I did it, setting my foot in Germany. Because it was like this kind of poison land in my, in my heart. And then I went and such beautiful people. And a couple of years ago, I mentioned I went to Berlin. I just had to go to Berlin because I heard both. It was like the, the really the hippest place in Europe. And I had to see this history of what went on there, all the different phases that now uh, emerge as this uh, light of progressive consciousness. So, so when I went, particularly this year, uh, this summer, and people said, what is going on in your country? <laughs> you know, and something like, how could this happen? Those were exactly the words that I grew up saying to myself. How could that happen? How could a, a country be mesmerized by evil and not see clearly? And then going to the German Museum and the history of, of how events unfolded from centuries through after World War I in particular, uh, and then going to the Holocaust Museum, uh, the German, the Jewish Museum, I should say. I mean, um, and you can see causes and conditions, causes and conditions. This is one of the main principles in Buddhist teachings: causes and conditions, causes and conditions. And it kind of takes away the blame a little bit, although it's still so confusing. But how? The human heart can be trained. I've mentioned this. Uh, I write about it in, uh, in, in my book, Awakening Joy. Uh, the uh, poster that I I've, that I saw one day in UC Berkeley uh, in in the halls there of a um, a very sad looking boy, and the caption uh, said. A child brought up in a home with domestic violence is 700 times more likely to experience domestic violence in their adulthood. And the first time I saw that, it was like, whoa, it stopped me in my tracks because it just hit me. Who's to blame when there's a legacy that we are that one is on the receiving end and then on the perpetrating end or on the recreating end causes and conditions causes and conditions and perhaps i have it here on my phone perhaps you uh you saw that um 
mm, uh, Barack Obama's tweet in these last days uh, has become the most retweeted or liked tweet in all of history, um, quoting Nelson Mandela. And here's, here's Nelson Mandela's words that Barack Obama quoted. I'll read a fuller... I'll read the fuller um, quote from Mandela, where it's a, that's an excerpt from. I, n- I never lost hope that this great transformation would occur within himself and in Africa, not only because of the great heroes I, already, I have already cited, but because of the courage of the ordinary men and women of my country. And here's the quote that Obama tweeted. Uh, I always knew that, actually one line more, I always knew that deep down in every human heart there is mercy and generosity. No one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate And if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love. For love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite. He goes on to say, this is past that tweet, even in the grimmest times in prison, when my comrades and I were pushed to our limits, I would see a glimmer of humanity in one of the guards, perhaps for just a second, but it was enough to reassure me and keep me going. Man's goodness is a flame that can be hidden, but never extinguished. This is, you know, when we take refuge in the Buddha at the, at the beginning, I mentioned a bit, that we're taking refuge in that capacity in all of us to awaken that seed of enlightenment, that seed of goodness, that um, that kingdom of heaven within, that's spoken of in in each of the world's religions. There's a spark of goodness right in there, and it has to be. You have to work hard to turn it off. There's a something to consider, particularly, and I'll I'll mention uh, him by name uh, of uh, about Donald Trump. That uh, I just saw this the other night on Rachel Maddow, which I am something of a of a an addict. Um, Rachel Matter and Lawrence O'Donnell keep me up late at night, um, many nights. Uh, but she had on that um, uh, in the 1920s, uh, the KKK was quite a powerful uh, political group. 
I, I hadn't really. They, they resurged back around 1915 or so and had tremendous influence in the presidential uh, conventions and almost had their, uh, their man for the 1924 convention um, uh, win the president. It was like 420 and two-thirds votes to four, 421 and two-thirds votes to 420 and one-third vote that the KKK candidate was not uh, put up against Calvin Coolidge, who eventually won for the presidency. Uh, but then she said that um, throughout the 20s, there, there, were, there was one march they showed films, 50,000 KKK walking through Washington. It just kind of blew my mind. Did anybody else see this? It, it, it wasn't it like, oh my God. Yeah. And there was, in, so in, in New York, uh, there, were, uh, there, was, um, there were also demonstrations against Alfred's, Alfred uh, Smith, who was going to be the other candidate. And... Um, but it was put, uh, they moved it to New Jersey because New York, it was just going to be too heavy to, uh, to protest. And as they said, anything can happen in New Jersey. So they had 20,000, whoops, um, KKK, did I just blow it? Am I still on? Yeah. 20,000 uh, KKK and uh, white supremacists marching and it became it was in the newspapers later on um uh, that people were arrested and among the seven named in the paper was fred trump donald's father so there he was, uh, and, and it was his address, too, was in there. And it, this is Donald Trump's father's address growing up in Queens. Um, yeah, in an article subtitled, Klan Assails Policeman, Fred Trump is named in among those taken in during a late May battle in which a thousand Klansmen and a hundred policemen staged a free-for-all. Mm-mm. And then, as perhaps you know, uh, I'll just read this piece. Um, it would not be his last tangle with the law over issues concerning minorities. Uh, um, a, a 1979 article published by Village Voice reported on a civil rights suit that alleged that the Trumps refused to rent to black home seekers and quotes a rental agent who said that Fred Trump instructed him not to rent to blacks and to encourage existing black tenants to leave. The case was settled in a 1975 consent degree described as one of the most far-reaching ever negotiated, but the Justice Department subsequently complained that continuing racially discriminatory Conduct by Trump agents has occurred with such frequency that it has created a substantial impediment to the full employment of equal opportunity. So this is this is what he was brought up with, and 
another. This is uh, from a book trumped by John O'Donnell, somebody who used to work for Trump uh, in this account that he had in his book. Um, Trump says, um, I've got black accountants in Trump, at Trump Castle and at Trump Plaza. Black guys counting my money. I hate it. The only kind of people I want counting my money are short guys that wear yarmulkes every day, Jews. Those are the kind of people I want counting my money. Nobody else. I couldn't believe I was hearing this, O'Donnell said. But Donald went on. Besides that, I've got to tell you something else. I think that the guy is lazy. They were talking about a particular um, uh, black employee. And it's pro- I think the guy, that guy, that's the, that the, the guy is lazy. And it's probably not his fault because laziness is a trade in blacks. It really is. I believe that. It's not anything they can control. Don't you agree? He looked at me square in the eye and waited for my reply. Donald, you really shouldn't say things like that to me or anybody else, I said. That is not the kind of image you want to project. We shouldn't even be having this conversation, even if it's the way you feel. Yeah, you're right, he said. If anybody ever heard me say that, holy shit, I'd be in a lot of trouble. But I have to tell you, that's the way I feel. You have to be... In, uh, if you ever saw South Pacific, there's a song in there. Anybody have have that thought come to mind? That thought. It, you have to be carefully taught. Just, yeah, you know, it, it it makes one tear up at the the sadness of it all, and just how. We, we are subject to our conditioning. But also we can learn another way. As Nelson Mandela said, and we can awaken. And it's good to see that even even Republicans are now awakening. Who is, and that—that's the paradox in this, you know. As, as we've said many times here, that suffering wakes us up. That's the. That's the silver lining around suffering, around dukkha. It shakes us out of our complacency. So, in some ways. Trump, I usually avoid getting into political naming, but you know, you gotta call it like it is. Uh, Trump and what's happening is waking up our country in a way that wouldn't have happened otherwise, that it would just be under the radar, of course, with <clears throat> all the, all the, atrocities that have led to Black Lives Matter, and uh, whether it's Ferguson or Virginia or Minnesota or so many places. It's like, it's in our consciousness, right? It, we, you can't escape it. This is the wound of this country and of, of the human 
of, of society, of humanity, othering, whether it's Germany or here or Barcelona or Syria. But suffering wakes us up and we are waking up in a way that there's no... Uh, you can't hide your head in the sand anymore. And as, uh, who was it? I think it was uh, um, Desmond Tutu said, uh, if you are neutral in the face of aggression, you are standing on the side of the oppressor. And now, finally, it's like a, it's a catalyzing uh, um, th- where there's a, pr- a precipitation where y- y- you're, even those who would rather remain silent are so disgusted that they're, they're forced to have to be vocal about it because it's so repulsive. So Dukkha wakes us up and it brings people together in a way that um, is so inspiring. I, I'm, I'm sure most of you saw the, um, the um, uh, service for uh, Heather Heyer yesterday and just her, her, her father who was just so emotional and, and tearful and her grandfather. Uh, but when every, I keep on hearing her mother, who was so eloquent, saying, um, I, I'd rather, I'd certainly rather have my da- daughter, but, uh, but if she's gone, by golly, we're going to make it count. So um, I also wanted to share, I hope I have it here, yeah, a few quotes, inspiring quotes, just to remember the, the goodness inside of, of us from uh, Martin Luther King. One, so much like that first quote of the Buddhas, um, one of my favorite quotes, it ends with that same sentiment of the Buddha. He says, the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. Through violence, you may murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. And so it goes. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. 
And then some quotes about nonviolence. I was, I was just imagining, you know, there as we saw what happened in Charlottesville and saying, oh my goodness, you know, how, uh, how, can you, how could they stand it? And then just thinking back to, uh, you know, I grew up in the 60s and the, the freedom fighters who not only stood it, but went for it, went for it, that this is their, this is their, their strategy that uh, Martin Luther King says, the nonviolent approach does not immediately change the heart of the oppressor. It first does something to the hearts and souls of those committed to it. It gives them new self-respect. It calls up resources of strength and courage they did not know they had. Nonviolence is the answer to the crucial political and moral questions of our times. The need for man to overcome oppression and violence without resorting to oppression and violence. Man must evolve for all human conflict a method which re- rejects revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such, of such a method is love. That was his Nobel Prize acceptance speech. And this is, you might say, wow, that is, how do you do that? And uh, we've talked before about the Buddha's uh, famous simile of the saw, his discourse on the simile of the saw, where he says, and this is like the ultimate bar, where he says, even if somebody, if you are, you are captured by bandits, and they are sawing off your leg, do not succumb to hatred. That's pretty big. I mean, you want to talk about <laughs> patience and perseverance. But he's saying that, that, that that's, what, that's, what, um, that's what embitters you, and you've lost that, that power of compassionate understanding that, that Jesus had on the cross when he said, forgive them, they know not what they do. That, that, that's about as high a teaching as, as I can think of. Forgive them, they know not what they do. You have to be carefully taught. And we have to be carefully taught not to come back with that hatred. Doesn't mean to be wallflowers. You have to have what's called fierce compassion. Where And he talks about the courage, Martin Luther King, the courage that it takes to not come back with hate. But whether or not you just let somebody beat you as the ultimate nonviolent weapon, or you say no, and even forcefully 
stop somebody from committing violence, that with that ferocity, there's a compassionate heart that says they know not what they do. I, I can't say I, I've got that figured out, but I aspire to it. In my, in my better moments, I re- recall what somebody like Trump has been raised or reading Adolf Hitler's childhood uh, there's something that, that kind of softens you a bit. But anyway, how to hold all of this? One thing to hold is that uh, th- this, is, this is not just bad news. That this is shining a light on insanity and ignorance and confusion. And in Buddhist teachings, ignorance doesn't mean stupidity as much as it means not seeing clearly, the inability to see clearly the good where happiness truly lies. So it's seeing the ignorance, forgive them, they know not what they do, and um, to to understand the causes and conditions and then go ahead and be very, very forceful and brave and courageous and doing it with a whole lot of people who care because that's the only way that things will, will change and do change, that you don't do it alone but and when there's enough outrage, then things change. And if we can move from that outrage, underneath the outrage is that real deep caring, is that real deep love of goodness. So we're not acting from the outrage, but that motivates us to get in touch with the the better angels inside. But we have to feel all of our feelings and feel all of our pain. You can't just say, okay, I'll, I'll just be a good Buddhist or a good Christian or a good wh- whatever and, and uh, just you know, see, the, uh, see it for what it is. You have to feel all the pain as well and all the anger and all the outrage and all, and understand those who who are uh, protesting for the good that still get swept up by their pain and their anger and their generations of of oppression or whatever conditioning is, and the disgust that you might feel. You have to honor that as well and understand that as well. And then as you can really honor those feelings and hold them, you know, as I say, there's no apologizing for the feelings that we have. And no, no apologizing for the thoughts even that come to mind, but the line between the feelings and the thoughts and then acting on them is a whole other level.
So that's where we have to kind of hold all of the, 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 the disgust and the outrage and the, 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 the shock and the hurt inside and process it so it doesn't come out back as, as hateful, hurtful actions. And there can be that wiser response of understanding. So, um, so I'd like us to, now I've spoken enough, I'd like us to just for a moment uh, uh, to reflect inside and then maybe to speak with each other for a little bit as we come, then come back together as a, as a community. I'd like you to just um, close your eyes, if you will. And honor, be genuine with all the feelings that go through, have gone through you perhaps these last few days or months or maybe years, but culminating in these last days. What feelings have you been going through? No apologizing for them. They're just what you feel. Like Solzhenitsyn says, the line between good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. Just to honor it all, see, we might have that anger and hate and ill will inside of us too as well as love and aspiring consciousness. And uh, I would recommend as you feel this, uh, whatever you feel, put your hand on your heart to just hold it all with tenderness, to honor it and, and hold it. It's so much to open up to. For ourselves inside or for our country, our species. It's so much we're being asked to hold and process. Just hold it with tenderness and compassion. It hurts. It can't help but hurt. It's okay to feel the hurt a little at a time. You might need to titrate your dukkha. But to honor it And what kind of thoughts might you have that can let you hold it more wisely rather than acting on those unskillful urges? 
how can you hold it with wisdom, the wisdom that maybe you heard from Mandela or King or the Buddha or Jesus? What can you tell yourself? How can you hold it in a way that keeps you facing in the right direction and connecting with others that want to move our species in the right direction. What can you remind yourself when it hurts so bad? What might you see as a way through in these next days or weeks or months to come? Just like uh, Heather Heyer's mom said, you know, I'd rather not lose my daughter, but if I had to, by golly, I want to make it count. How can you make it count? Okay, so um, I'd like you just to, uh, to turn to, if you feel like it, if you don't, you can just be with your own process. Uh, if you would stay till the end, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, but uh, turn to a couple, one or two, couple of people near you and just uh, share anything that might have come up from that and we'll come back together in a, in a few minutes and listen as well as share. So we'll do that. Oh, for the next oh, five minutes or so, five or six minutes. If you're looking for someone, you can just join a group. Okay, start finishing up. I'm sorry we don't have that much time. I, uh, I would like to just hear a few comments. How to, how to hold anything that you got in touch with, uh, the wisdom to, to hold what comes up for you. I'd love to just hear some wisdom from the group. I know there's a lot in here. And if you could make it succinct and we can just take a few. How do you hold it? Um, yeah, during these tough times, I like to think about eight years ago in Chicago and the joy and the excitement and all those people are still here mm. and this pendulum is moving a little 
far on the right now, but we have the hope that mm. it's temporary. Thank you. Yes. It's all the pe- I, I love the word pendulum. That's exactly what I see. It goes, the, 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 the shadow brings out the light. Uh, the light brings out the shadow, and the shadow brings out the light. Um, anyone else? Yes. At first I was resisting what close, you, close okay. At first I was resisting what you were saying. Um, but then I was thinking anger only makes us weaker. Like it, it makes us feel unhealthy and, and not strong and and not clear headed. And we need to be all of those things right now so that we can address the issues. So Thank you. Yeah, that's we're we're the ones that that suffer when we're completely lost in 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 anger. It's the 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 uh, the image that the Buddha has is like picking up a hot coal, wanting to hurt your enemy, and not realizing you're the one that's getting burned. Yeah, mm-hmm. or drinking poison and hoping the other person is going to get sick. Yeah, it's it poisons us, but and it's part of being human, but. There's another way. Okay, one last one, and then we should probably go. Well, I just wanted to bring up the subject of white privilege in the midst of all this, um, because, um, and we did have two women yeah. here, you know, uh, two, uh, two weeks ago. Who, I hope it was, who uh, kinda, it yeah. was use, useful. Yes, um, I think it, it was useful, and... Um, uh, I'm also reading a book now called Waking Up White, mm-hmm. really which has been book. very useful to me. And so I have to say that when I look at my own upset about what's going on, mm-hmm. it feels like it's nothing in comparison to the oppression and racial injustice and racial inequity that has existed in this country for hundreds of years. Yes. And so when I get that bigger picture... Mm-hmm. My own feelings are kind of like, okay, so that's how I'm feeling. What can I do? Mm-hmm. What can I do, and how can I build my understanding so that what I do makes a difference? Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you so much, Wendy. And it's, it, it's both, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's dwarfed by comparison to the pain of generations and that and that people live with every day, um, and still to honor your own pain, and then move it into action, as uh, An- uh, Angelus Arian says, uh, action absorbs anxiety. That, that when you put it into meaningful action, you're, you're harnessing that, that frustration and that pain and that fear. So thank you for bringing that up. Okay, so we'll close with a, a loving kindness. And uh, uh, so, it, and it's, it's fitting, we close with a loving kindness. Uh, here's a, another last quote that, uh, from Martin Luther King that I'm sure you know. Um, I, have, I have decided to love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. That kind of says it all. 
So let's do some loving kindness. Good. May it be so. So, just feeling what's going on once again and appreciating coming to be with us tonight. Touching the good right inside of you and sharing it with the world. May all see through their confusion and share their love well. May all be understanding of others' confusion and learn to hold hold things with compassion and humility. And may all awaken to their true nature. May all beings know true happiness and peace. Thank you very much for your attention and uh, have a good week and share your love well. See you next week. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.